This episode of the Retro Network Time Machine with Jason and Mickey is brought to you by Retro Days. Sign up now for your free profile at retro-daze.org. From there, you can visit the forum or contribute articles which earn points towards fun prizes in the Retro Days Point Store. Click over from today's show notes and begin the fun at Retro Days. And by fun.com, the best place on the web to find officially licensed gifts, costumes, toys, and more. Fun.com also offers a variety of exclusive products they make themselves and you won't find anywhere else. Search great brands like Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, Care Bears, and many more. Click the Fun.com link in today's show notes to shop the latest products and also save 10% site-wide through August 7th, 2021. Your savings is automatically deducted in your cart, so just click and shop. Fun.com, your go-to destination for exciting and unique gifts. The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Your vehicle to the past doesn't need roads or even 1.21 gigawatts. It's the Retro Network Time Machine with Jason and Mickey! It is time to double back once again with the Retro Network Time Machine. You've got Jason and Mickey ready to talk our pop culture past and present. How you doing, man? I'm still here. Alive and kicking, right? Take it one week at a time. <laughs> well, we hope everybody out there is uh, having a good week and uh, ready to talk some pop culture. We've got, I just wanted to quickly mention, we typically just, you know, when we have a sponsorship, that gets taken care of at the top of the show. But I did want to remind everybody that our summer sponsorship with fun.com is coming to a close next week so if you want to take advantage of our promo link that's in the show notes and it's actually good through the uh i think it's august 7th if you uh want to take advantage of that lots of fun exclusives over there and i've been posting some on both trn social and rd80s on twitter check out some of those fun products they got over there and save 10 percent while you're at it want to just remind everybody about that and uh one fun exciting thing that happened to me this week mick is uh got all booked up for retrocon oh very nice and my oldest son is coming with me wow he sucked up enough i guess and uh i've i've now got a cameraman how about that (laughs) that's nice i was gonna say you got somebody (laughs) to carry your bags but the cameraman's even better that's right yeah so we can do some live stuff. I'm, I think I'm going to plan to do some live, uh, well, we call them live remotes in radio, but live broadcasts like on YouTube while we're there. And uh, those videos will then be out there for everybody to enjoy, uh, you know, if they miss the live stream. But looking forward to that and kind of covering RetroCon on the next level. I, I typically do a couple videos like that, and we do a wrap-up podcast, me and Wyatt usually on everything that we acquired. But now that we've got uh, Adam all booked up and we've got uh, Kevin and the house show boys coming, we'll have uh, the thrift store horde guys there. Maybe we'll have to do a, a, an on-site video. That would be fun to do some digging and see what we could find there. Or maybe uh, 
see what we can find for 10 bucks or 20 bucks, you know, do a little challenge. That would be fun uh, while we're there, but uh, very excited. There's a pretty large crew coming in. I hear Tony has booked up as well from retro days. And I saw that uh, Sean Robert might be coming up and all of our fun, you know, little retro group and retro community that has been interacting with each other for probably over a decade. Most of us will uh, be there. Wish you could come, man. I'm I'm bummed that you won't be able to to share in that, but yeah, I, we'll be thinking about you. I've tossed it around in my brain just with everything going on here, though I I can't leave. So I'd like to, I'd like to make the pilgrimage again. <laughs> we are uh, looking forward to that. I get fed the uh, announcements each week. There's actually uh, a couple more announcements still to come, but most recently they've. Uh, Said where they're going to have a 66 Batmobile there. Wrestler Matt Cordona, I want to say. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with the, the newer wrestlers. but I was going to say, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Nobody knows who that is. <laughs> <laughs> he is uh, going to be there. Another voice actor, Dragon Ball Z voice actor. And uh, he also voiced one of the uh, Transformers Beast Wars characters. Uh, I saw Ian, Ian something. <laughs> I, I didn't recognize him, sadly. But uh, I'm sure his line will be long at retro. There, there is uh, actually a couple voice actors that I have met before. Well, let's see, one that's uh, still going to be announced hopefully soon. So, looking forward to uh, getting those announcements out there. And it's just going to be a fun show. I, you know, it's fun. It's it was really cool when we. We're there uh, several years ago, me and Wyatt, and actually was on a panel. <laughs> that was a thrill. We were on the uh, mask panel for the 30th anniversary, and voice actor Doug Stone was there, and that was probably the thrill of a lifetime. But I, beyond all of the you know special guests and vehicles and the arcade and all that, it's just I just love going through all the tables and finding every little nook and cranny to look in and. You know, find those fun, rare uh, action figures and toys and all kinds of stuff that RetroCon has to offer. It's like one big flea market. 225 mm-hmm. vendor tables. <laughs> well, true, yeah. Yeah, they, there is crap there. Now, don't get me wrong. There is crap there, but there is some really nice stuff, too. That's one of the only places I've seen a put-together USS flag was at RetroCon one well, year. When I say crap, I mean, you go to your local flea market, you go to RetroCon, you're not seeing tables full of used lug nuts, you know, find the one <laughs> for your 79 Plymouth or something. True. Yes, it's it's all, true. It, some of it may be crap by some people's definitions, but it's all crap in the nerd pop culture retro genre stuff. Right. So even yeah. when it's crap, it's still beautiful. <laughs> yes. Beautiful crap at RetroCon. So, yeah, excited about that. Excited to uh, take my son Jackson. And it's kind of uh, almost the passing of the torch because when uh, I was his age, my dad took me on little trips. We went to Niagara Falls and just, you know, he won't get on a plane, my dad. But, you know, this is fun. This is the first time we've really, we're going to be traveling just ourselves together. So I'm really looking forward to it. Five, ten years from now, RetroCon for his generation will be people going in there finding old PlayStation 3 games and stuff. <laughs> yeah, Xbox 360. Oh, 
I remember that game. No, it's funny because they are even nostalgic somewhat. They see how I'm nostalgic for Nintendo and stuff, but we have pulled out the PlayStation 2 and, oh, I remember that game. It was like, you know, their for introduction to video games, some of those ones on there. Yeah. And uh, it's funny to hear them talk. I made, this is great. So when Jackson got his car, we were just hunting CDs around the house that I'd burned and stuff. And they had some in their room that I made of video game music <laughs> from like those PlayStation 2 games. And hearing some of those songs in the car is a is a trip but anyway there is still some nostalgia there believe it or not uh for them and uh the first time they got into gaming so anyway well uh let's go ahead and move on with the show and uh where are we traveling this week man probably a lot of different places because uh we're going to talk about some of our heroes through our lifetime both personal and pop culture related and i'm sure some sports heroes things like yes. that yes i had some sports in there and uh just you know enter straight entertainment and stuff and it's ought to be fun yeah i've even uh, got a couple fictional characters written down oh yeah okay yeah. okay well good i'm uh excited you when you brought this up last week it seemed a uh, pretty wide open and i'm glad we kind of left it that way because you can go a lot of different directions mm -hmm. uh, with heroes. So let's <clears throat> jump in the time machine and head back to the past. All right, here we are. We're uh, ready to uh, rediscover our heroes or, or talk about our heroes from the past and I guess maybe our childhood mainly is what I was kind of thinking of who we inspired to be or who inspired us, uh, maybe as kids and then even later in life. But, uh, where did you go with it while you were thinking about your list? I've got a modern one on here. Too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, let's just get into it. Go for it. I'm going to start off with the sentimental pick and that's my dad, not just from the perspective of being you know, your dad, like we all, most of us anyway, our dads are our heroes, but my dad was also the, uh, chief of the fire department when I was a kid. So most kids look up to firemen when they're really young. So I had that double whammy of a fireman and my dad, and he was in charge of them and driving the big fire trucks. And as I got a little older in life and he wasn't a fireman anymore, just him traveling, I just always thought was so cool that getting in the truck and going and all summer long I'd spend out of school traveling with him and running up and down the highways. I'm sure that that led me to traveling when I, in mm -hmm. recent years, we've talked about on here. I spent a decade traveling for work and, um, just everything I've seen out of my dad, in my life, I just pattern as much as I can to be like him in a lot of ways with the helping people when I can and, of course, he done a whole lot of it, especially as a fireman, but beyond sure. that, I've seen him when we was traveling. You, you talk about don't pick up hitchhikers, this, that, and the other thing, which we, I don't remember ever picking up a hitchhiker. We picked up a girl one time. She wasn't really hitchhiking, but she had broke down on the side of the road and dad stopped. She was real apprehensive and, you know, he kept his distance. He's like, look, you know, if you want me to check out your car, help you get it running, yada, yada, yada. And 
she finally come around and dad couldn't get it running and offered her a ride to the next exit. She took it, but he would do stuff like that. You'd see people mm-hmm. off on the side of the highway with, uh, the signs, you know, we'll work for food and stuff like that. Dad, uh, sometimes he'd give them a little money, but anybody he saw at an exit like that, he'd give something to. I yeah. one, one time it stands out. There was a guy, uh, it was snowing, not like heavy snow, but it was snowing and it was cold with the sign. We'll work for, out of work. We'll work for food or whatever. He pulled over, gave him some snacks that we had just bought at the gas station and gave him a pair of, uh, warm gloves and a toboggan. And then we went on, you know, just stuff yeah. like that. He, uh, he's always been a pretty special guy. Now, back when he was a fireman, did, uh, he get to go through the parades and all that. Did you ever get that experience oh. with him? God, he organized the parades. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he would organize the Christmas parades. He would organize back in those days, the fire department controlled all the town events and functions Mm -hmm. here in the little town we grew up in. They would organize the 4th of July celebration. They would do the fundraisers and raise money for the fireworks. They had arranged a fireworks show and set them off. So, you know, that just made him even cooler in my, (laughs) my mind. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, so yeah, he done all that. And I'd wrote something for retro days one time about Christmas and, uh, this, I had told the story in it that growing up, some of my Christmases had been a little lacking, I thought. And, uh, then things got a lot better and it went on like that for years and years until I started working where I'm working at now. And there's an older man that worked there that used to be a fireman with my dad. Mm-hmm. And I was talking one Christmas, we was talking about old stuff and I was kind of just relating that stuff. Like, yeah, you know, when I was really young, it didn't seem like there was great Christmases and stuff with presents under the tree, you know, like a selfish kid would do. And this guy proceeded to rock my world and tell me some stuff. I, nobody had even bothered to fill me in on because they didn't think nothing of it. But like, he was telling me, he says, uh, that one year back in 80, whatever, he said, when the town Christmas decorations that went up on the light poles were falling apart, he said, it was your dad who went and got a loan against his business to buy all new town Christmas decorations. So the town would still have them. Oh, wow. And told me several other stories like that too. Even about himself. He told me that there was a year he had had a really hard time financially and that my dad kind of picked up on it and asked him, you know, kind of point blank. Can you give your family a nice Christmas? And this guy was telling me that he couldn't. And so dad went with him and bought toys for their three kids and bought them a full Christmas dinner at the grocery store. And my dad and his brother-in-law went and cut a whole pickup truckload of wood and took to them to make sure they were warm through the holidays. So this guy, he's rocking my world kind of sternly. He said, you know, you may not have known this stuff. He said, but don't you ever think that your dad didn't care or want to do good stuff for Christmas. He said, there was just people in this world that needed it more than you did when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you hear all that That stuff later in life, they become even bigger heroes to you. Absolutely. That's really neat. Well, I'll bounce off that because I had my dad on my list and he, uh, has worked or did work. So he's retired now in heavy construction pretty much all of his life. And he was the one uh, out of his family of he has uh, a twin brother, an older brother, and two sisters, all of which who stayed around the same town in uh, northern Pennsylvania, 
he ventured out and that was, uh, he drove all the way down to North Carolina to go to heavy equipment school. And this is back in the sixties, I think. So, you know, roads weren't, <laughs> that was, uh, quite a long trek, more the, more of a trek than it is now with all of our interstate systems and all that. But anyway, he ventured out and, uh, settled about two hours away from where he grew up and he's always been the one that's, you know, away from everything. He's the one that travels two hours each way to, for reunions and when something happens or whatever with the entire family. So most of my cousins and all that were uh, up there as well. And so I kind of took that initiative too. I think when I graduated that I wanted to venture out from my small town and, you know, ended up coming down here and going to school in Georgia and, and all that. So I kind of modeled, I guess, my thinking after him and uh, just going through that uh, Gold Rush show that uh, Jackson and I have been watching and watching these guys move all this heavy equipment around and stuff. And I was like, you know, memories come flooding back of daddy. Yeah, oh, he could drive that. He did that. And <laughs> uh, only had one accident that I remember pretty finally that scared me you know i it never scared me that he was driving these huge pieces of equipment because he would take me up there every once in a while and we i've got pictures of uh, me and mom in front of the uh, big bucket on a loader or standing in a bucket you know or next to a huge tire off a rock truck and he uh was on the side hill using a pan one of those big scrapers yeah and rolled it like five times mm. came home his shirt was they had uh, taken him to the hospital and took the scissors you know and like took the uh ripped his shirt in half and checked him out and luckily he was you know there was no uh no injuries or anything um and i think they did get that pan going you know again so no harm no foul which was lucky but it was still scary to see him come home and his clothes are all ripped up and you know explaining what happened and everything and this is out in the strippings. He's been, you know, basically digging for coal, a coal miner. I don't know what you want to call it his whole life. And uh, like I said, just, uh, it's the top of the show, you know, taking me on little trips when I was in high school and showing me the, the land and, you know, what was around us and everything. And yeah, I mean, and it, you know, my parents are divorced, so he spent everything he could to keep my childhood home when they split and that didn't happen, which was, uh, I could see, you know, took a lot out of them. And yeah, we talk about that a lot, uh, too, about that house and all of our neighbors. He knew all the neighbors and he's always that person that he, he could walk up to a stranger and tell his life story in within five minutes, you know? Yeah. Uh, but he's also got a crazy side too. his CB handle for the longest time has been squirrely. So he's, uh, he's squirrely to a lot of people. Hey, squirrel, he'll, you know, we'll be out eating or something and they know him, but, uh, so he's got that fun side to him as well, but he worked that heavy construction wherever he could. He would drive down to Lancaster, which is, uh, probably a good four hour trek. And he would work during the week and come back on the weekends. He did that for many years and just kind of went where the work was to support me and, you know, himself and finally yeah, think, did get remarried. And we, you know, that's, that's who we go and stay with when we're home on our trips uh, with mom in the home. But 
he's still a workaholic and I, I can tell that I got my work ethic from him as well because I'm up there telling him he wants to fix a couple of shingles on the roof or something. I'm like, you're not getting on a ladder. <laughs> I mean, you're, <laughs> he's uh 77 years old. I mean, and he still wants to do things around the house. And I, I, I bet you if he, he had the opportunity to jump in a rock truck or loader or something right now, he would, but yeah. you know, that's just the way he is. And that's, that's that generation too. I'm sure you can relate that it's work. I mean, it, but it's, there's like no question whether you have to do it or not. You just get out right. there and do what you can for your family. And that's what yeah. he's always done. Yeah. I think that's where these, where I work all these long hours and I'd spend all those hours working when I was traveling where my dad owned his own business. There was never downtime. He had close up at the shop and come home and maybe figuring in books or, or on the phone making deals up till time mm-hmm. to go to bed and get up at 6 a.m. the next morning and the day starts. It was just, you just worked. And uh, there was a saying I used to tell people who worked for me that I got from my dad. <clears throat> and it was, we go to work. No matter what's going on, uh, I can remember there'd be deaths in the family. And we'd be, I, I can't remember which one of his brothers it was passed away while we were off on a trip and we got to call, you know, before cell phones. And he said, uh, I could hear him say something to the effect of, well, when you make the arrangements, call, let me know, and we'll be there for the funeral. And I was just kind of shocked. I'm like a teenager at this point. I'm like, we're not going. And he says, we go to work. You know, that was just his, mm-hmm. that was his mantra. It's still his mantra. And, uh, but you know, he would work all these hours for himself as many or more hours as I work now. And one of his friends run a trucking company and he'd be short a driver on like Friday and dad would be like, Oh, where you got a load you need to get to. Cause you know, this other guy's livelihood and income dependent on him moving this material. It's like sure. Waco, Texas. And dad said, well, I'll get my bag. <laughs> and he'd finish his work week on Friday and drive to Waco <laughs> and back Friday and Saturday night, you know, be home Sunday morning. Wow. So, no stranger to long hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you grow up seeing that, I never saw my dad take a sick day because he ran his own business. Right. He would still go to work. He just may not be as productive as he was when he wasn't feeling bad, but he just went to work. Yeah. That's, yeah. Go to work. that's what he always used to say, tell people. That's what I used to tell people. You know, it'd be, I'd have some people traveling with me from here to a job and, it's, oh, man, they're calling for a couple inches of snow, you know, between here and there. Well, we go to work, so we'll get there. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Might take a little longer, but, yeah. yeah. Can't break our plans over, uh, you know, stuff we can't control necessarily, you know. Yeah, that was the other part of it, too, was my dad was sternly against breaking any kind of commitment. You know, and like that situation I was just describing, hey, look we made a commitment to this company. We're going to be there and do that job. Come hell or high water Monday morning. We're going to be there and we're going to do that job. Come hell or high water. No lie. We worked in, I don't remember what the name of the town was in Florida with a hurricane coming in. And I had everybody work for me with scares. Like you don't have to go, but I'm going, that job is starting Monday morning at 7am. We're going Mm -hmm. or I'm Mm -hmm. going. And, uh, the eye of the hurricane that first day, the eye of the hurricane passed right over where we were late that afternoon. We were in the thick of it all day, but eh, job got done <laughs> on time. Uh, in Georgia, I remember uh, our company bought out another company. We had planned a Saturday to go pick up some equipment. They had arranged a tractor trailer to be there. And 
we were going to kind of disconnect everything, load it up, and it snowed in Georgia. It wasn't much. It was enough to cover the ground, you know, and roads were slippery and stuff. And, you know, all these calls started coming through, and I remember getting a call from my boss, you know, are you going to be able to make it? I'm like, yeah, I mean, the couple inches, I'm used to that. And <laughs> there was like three of us there, you know, that day. Uh, because everybody else just, you hear snow and you're like, shut everything off. But, uh, and obviously living in the South, people aren't used to driving in that stuff. And I can understand that, but uh, I never had a thought in my head that, well, it's snowing. So we won't be moving this equipment today, (laughs) you know, anything like that. So, and that came from dad too. I mean, gosh, how many times that he would be out there shoveling or, plowing or whatever he could to clear off the driveway to get to work and you know, i'm sure you know in the it's harder in the winter time they don't it, the ground gets frozen and all that to uh move dirt but you know he <laughs> he was there so mm-hmm. anyway that was a good talk man we should have saved that for father's day but uh still this was fun yeah. <laughs> well, let's move on to some other people who we wish were our dads. Okay. All right. <laughs> Actually, not wishing they were my dads. <laughs> Maybe my best friends. Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express. Okay. <laughs> and I say the heroes because I was at the age when I first caught wrestling and I just instantly hooked and a big fan. Of course, even being a big fan, you kind of think it might be fake, but you never knew for sure. And so here are these guys just taking on everybody who was big and bad, the Russians and the Barbarian and the Andersons, the Four Horsemen, the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. And just no matter how bad they got whooped, they come back and won in the end. Mm -hmm. And never make the connection as a kid. And it may be a corny connection to make now, but uh, even something like pro wrestling, you can learn a lot of real life lessons from, you know, never give up. Don't ever stop trying. You never know what good will happen. So, uh, yeah, I talked a lot about my dad. I'll, I'll cut this one short, but, uh, <laughs> but the rock and roll express, you know, my dad's always been my hero, my outside of my dad, the rock and roll express were my first, what I would call heroes in life. They're about 85 when I discovered them. And, uh, and after hours, I'll going to tell a story about how sometimes your heroes can disappoint you when you meet them in real life. So, uh, okay. Yeah. It'll feature the rock and roll express. <laughs> a little <laughs> okay. teaser for people for the VIP network and the after hour show. Okay. All right. Uh, another, uh, I guess hero of mine. And I didn't really, uh, I wouldn't necessarily, it, it was since I was a little kid, it got more in my brain, uh, around high school. And then, uh, shortly after when, uh, I wanted to be in radio and that was Casey Kasem. Mm. Casey Kasem, you know, I heard him every week on the radio. I thought his, he had the coolest job in the world. And as I've gotten older and realized, oh, well, he did all this voice acting and stuff too. Shaggy and Robin uh, with, with Batman on Super Friends and that sort of thing. But uh, just hearing his voice, it was almost like uh, if he wasn't there or... I don't remember him ever having like a guest person over the weekend. It, it seemed like he was there consistently every weekend to count down all the music, yeah. uh, which, you know, that could be a, another 
person that had the, you know, the true work ethic, but, um, it got, you know, more realized when I was in high school and thinking about, you know, wanting to be in radio. And, uh, there were a few other ones, obviously out there, the famous DJs and, but Casey Kasem, just having that voice that you can hear almost like Paul Harvey, you know, everybody knew who Paul Harvey was. And just by his voice, he had that unique sign off. Good day. You know, every, and I remember being at my Grams listening to him in the uh, noon hour. Uh, and then when I went down to the radio station, got a job, I got to play the rest of the story. I think it was in the five o'clock news that they played that. So he's another one. It's just kind of those, those heroes in your profession that you want to be in that inspire you or uh, who you would, you know, love to be someday that I, I can say definitely Casey Kasem was one of those. Speaking of Paul Harvey and the mm-hmm. rest of the story, years ago in the heyday of torrent downloading and stuff, uh-huh. I downloaded this massive file of hundreds of recordings of the rest of the story that I've still got. on. Flash. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I used to, when I'd have those long drives, when I was traveling, I would pick like 20 of them and just load them to my phone. Uh-huh. And we'd listen to those for hours, just driving up the uh-huh. highway listening to all these cool stories and you know uh one thing you know because you when you're talking about heroes you kind of put them up on a pedestal and they're almost perfect in every way and you look at them and sometimes you don't see them make mistakes or anything you know it wasn't until probably maybe five or six years ago that i heard that one one casey Kasem reel where he's just cussing up a storm and berating everybody and all that have you ever listened to that Uh, no but no i hadn't oh it's it blew my mind because there's a certain level of professionalism that you know he has and then to hear kind of the behind the scenes what's going on he was a human being like everybody else it wasn't uh he wasn't a machine or he wasn't uh uh, perfect. Uh, Alex Trebek is another one. I mean, right. I think it was right after he died, maybe, or right before I remember seeing a, a reel of him, all his screw ups and stuff and him throwing out the F word and everything that just was like, wow, you know, it, you don't think about that kind of thing and how much they work at to getting to that professionalism or, you know, uh, point that, uh, everybody knows, but yeah. <laughs> well, not everybody in broadcasting is as professional as I am or you, though. So <laughs> right? Yeah, we got high standards. You're trying to hold these people to. <laughs> All right. What else? What else so you got? Next on my list, come along probably about ninety-ish, and continued on past the day he died, and that's Dale Earnhardt. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much because I was of the cognitive age. Sure, I loved his racing style and the watching race and his interviews and all that. But it wasn't that part that made him a hero. It was his attitude about everything in life that he was going to get what he wanted. Mm-hmm. And if that meant passing you in the grass or that meant pushing you up the track and going by you or in extreme cases, if that meant turning you around and going past you, he was mm-hmm. going for the win every time, friend or enemy or whatever. And I listen to Dale Jr.'s podcast every week, and he'll have these drivers on from through the years, and he's interviewing them, and they're all telling Dale stories and talking about, yeah, me and your dad would go hunting and all this, and we'd go fishing and take me out on his boat. Like Rusty Wallace was telling a story that 
they went vacationing for a week in the, the Bahamas on a boat that Dale had with their wives. Uh-huh. And they got back on like Saturday and on Sunday, Dale turned him around to win a race. It, you know, it didn't matter. <laughs> uh, that, that was his chosen profession. That was his livelihood. And he had to worry about him and his family first, you know, not that sounds callous. Like, you know, he could have hurt rusty, but people can believe this or not. I've seen enough and heard enough about Dale. Dale knew what he was doing when he would turn people around. He wasn't going to put somebody in a position where they were going to get hurt with what he was doing. You know, certainly not intentionally. Daryl Waltrip was on there and this talking about how they were racing at the Winston one night and uh, Jeff Gordon was in the middle and they're coming three wide and Dale just comes right down and Jeff Gordon let off and Dale and Daryl got together. And after the race, Daryl said, I was asking like Dale, or Dale said, what was you thinking, Daryl? And Daryl said, I'm thinking I was going to win the race. What was you thinking? And Dale said, I was thinking, don't you ever try to come under me again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just his attitude towards life and his, he was one of the people, a lot of people think it, but they're mistaken. But he was one of the people who was the best and knew he was the best and was going to go out and do what he needed to do to prove that week in and week yeah. out. And there's a lot of life lessons and parallels to be drawn from that in what we all do at our job. You know, it's, yeah, yeah. It's not personal, it's just business. He was the uh, Larry Bird of NASCAR. You know, he was going to tell you exactly what he was going to do and he was going to go out and do it. You know, if he, if he was going to be like, I'm going to shoot this three over your head all night and he would just start draining threes. Or, you know, I was going to, I'm going to put 40 on you tonight, whatever. And he could go out and do it. He backed it up and Dale, the intimidator, you know? Well, (laughs) I wanted to say something about that. I can't remember right now, which driver it was telling the story. He was telling Dale Jr. Just talking some stories about him, pushing some people around and stuff. And Dale Jr. is like, yep. Why he was the intimidator. And this guy corrected him and said, no, that's not why he was the intimidator. He said, he got that nickname. And that reputation when he was really young in the sport and other drivers tried to do it to him and he was not intimidated by it and would just stare them down and him not being intimidated, intimidated the people who were trying (laughs) to intimidate him. And Dale Jr. was just like, wow. And I was too, this first time I'd heard this. But when you think back on it, it's like they said before he started wearing sunglasses all the time, he said, these guys, they'd bump him on the track and try to push him out of the way. And said after the race, Dale would just get out of his car and lean on the roof and just stare a hole through that driver. Like, I'm not taking your crap. And he started just intimidating them by not being intimidated. Yeah. So, and that applies to a lot of stuff in life too. So. Uh, yeah, he was on my list as well. So he was my favorite driver growing up and yeah, just for that, he, he never gave up, you know, he could be a lap down and you know, he was just ripping his crew, a new one to get him back on that lead lap and to get back in the game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always thought of him more as, you know, you don't want to see him in your rear view mirror on the last lap, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as the intimidator, but still, yeah, that's a, that's a great pick. Uh, all right. Well, we'll keep it in the sports world and this one should be no surprise to you. Uh, one of my heroes growing up was Magic Johnson. 
And it started when I was a, I don't know, probably eight or nine years old watching, uh, probably the, I would say the 84 finals was when they were, uh, I think that's the year that, uh, the Celtics won. And it was the next year that I think the Lakers finally broke through in 85 and beat the Celtics. Um, but anyway, that's just his style of basketball. He would, you know, put a triple double on you and smile the whole time. You know, he had that personality, like he was enjoying himself and at his height and for being a point guard could pretty much do whatever the hell he wanted. And that's the way I wanted to play. I, obviously I was stuck <laughs> being a point guard. It wasn't by you choice. Were, you were a little vertically challenged. Yes. But at the same time, just watching his game and uh, understanding the way that he played, I found more joy in finding a wide open person under the basket and passing the ball than I did draining a three from half court, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of modeled my game after that and some of those crazy passes. I remember my coach, uh, me and my friend Kurt, who was uh, two years younger than me, but he was on the, the varsity team when I was uh, even junior and senior year. And we would go back and forth and practice trying to throw some ridiculous passes and stuff. <laughs> and our coach would be so pissed off at us by the time the end of the practice gone. We run more laps than <laughs> probably anybody <laughs> in those few years. But that was just uh, part of it. You know, you wanted, there was the showtime aspect. It was almost putting on a show, but at the same time, having fun and very competitive. He was very competitive when he played. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that, it hit me real hard. We had talked about it, I think, in After Hours uh, when we were hitting those 90s events and that day that uh, he retired from the Lakers. That hit me pretty hard. And... But it's still beyond that, his just aspect on life. And again, another hard worker, another person that just will not give up. You know, I when he announced that, we all figured he'd be dead within a year or two. You know, we just didn't know. And he had a lot to do with that and educating people and not giving up himself uh, despite, you know, his past. But anyway, yeah, it magic. Did. Uh -huh. And he still has that competitive spirit in business these days. Oh, He's yeah. I mean, you know, he had the successful chain of movie theaters and he's done a lot in business uh, since then. So I know a lot for the African-American community just since he's retired. So, yeah, some may say that's, a, you know, when, when it happened was a good thing. So he well. could go on and do what he's done since then. But. Mm -hmm. What else you got? Well, I think I want to do one more and then stop. Cause I, the last one is too modern. Okay. <laughs> Andy Griffith, the character, mm -hmm. the character mm -hmm. on the TV show. I have said so many times that I think Andy Griffith is the best show that's ever been on television. Just for a lot of the values it portrayed and the fact that it's been on TV years ago it's probably been 15 years ago or more it was the only show that had been on the air somewhere continuously since the day it debuted mm -hmm. as in like you couldn't go a week since it debuted that you couldn't watch an episode of andy griffith somewhere but you know 
my dad being the fireman, Andy Griffith being the cop, and this would have been late 80s, early 90s when I really got into watching Andy Griffith every night on TBS and knew the episodes by heart, just the way he treated people. And, you know, Barney was the comic relief, but the character Barney would want to run somebody in for this and that, and, and Andy's always the level head. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and talking through people's problems with them and finding out why they were doing the stuff they were doing and what can we do to help you not have to do that and helping people across the street and taking little old miss watson home or from the grocery store or whatever he and being a single dad and raising opie and teaching him life lessons and he was just a model character and i have never come close to being as good of a man all around as he has he was on the show, but dang, I've always wanted to be <laughs> <So>. <laughs> never quite have got there. Sometimes I've been awfully far away from it, but <laughs> you know, I stopped one time, uh, in North Carolina. It was, I can't remember what town it is. It's not Mayberry, but <laughs> whatever. There's a, like a, there's a museum and a restaurant and stuff there. It's Mount Airy, North Carolina. That's okay. where Andy Griffith was born and raised. I I can't remember how I was. It, maybe it's right off the interstate or something. But I remember pulling off there one night and everything was kind of closed or whatever. And I didn't get a chance to really check out everything. But I remember being there. For some reason, I remember ordering a hamburger or something. Anyway, uh yeah, it, you know, just being there the, the time that I was and I was like, oh, this is cool. And you, you just, there's like a I don't know, there's like a feeling about it, feel, the, the Mayberry feeling, you know, that uh, mm -hmm. uh, it is a lot of it is is admiration of him in that show. And yeah, I mean, that's cool. I that, I have a, a, a TV one, too, here, but not quite as uh, the standard of <laughs> Andy Griffith. <laughs> While we're talking, I'm sending you a picture on Slack here in a second. You can look at it while you're talking. Okay. Uh, so uh, thinking of heroes back in the day uh, when I was a kid and watching TV, uh, my mind went a little bit different direction. And there were several shows uh, just thinking about the, the people that would help their family, the small town, the whatever community they were in, do whatever they had to do to get the bad guys. You know, you, you think about... Uh, You're going with T.J. Hooker, aren't you? <laughs> no, no. Oh, okay. Well, you think about the Duke boys, of course. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just that kind of small town helping who needs to be helped despite the uh, law or whatever the rules. Knight Rider in some way was kind of like that as well. Cause he was, uh, Michael was always showing up in these small towns and something was going on. There was a biker gang in town making a ruckus and he had to help him out while he was there. But my favorite show kind of back then that had those heroes that helped out the, the little person against the big person, you know, was the A team, mm -hmm. the A team, there were some ridiculous episodes, but there's still some really fun episodes with uh, showing up and, you know, uh, these these boys are redirecting the town's water supply to whatever, search for gold or, you know, whatever. <laughs> and they, they're called in, you know, they're doing a job, but there's always that point, like at the end of the show, where uh, 
they're like offer them the money. Uh, we'll we'll let this one go, you know, whatever. And I think its face is always on Hannibal or one. Or, I can't remember who the who the one is, the person is that's always like, we need to take the money. We need the money. You know, we can't be doing this stuff for free because uh, yeah. they're taking, you know, chances being on the lamb. But anyway, that was, uh, that was always one of those shows where I, I would love to be part of this team. I would love to <laughs> help out my local town, whatever. If there's uh, people that come in and start shooting up the place, I could, uh, I could call up my friends and get there. And then let's see. I think it was three years ago, 2018 was when, uh, the only time I've ever dressed in cosplay was at RetroCon when we met Dwight Schultz and Dirk Benedict. Wyatt dressed up like Murdoch. He had the little Socko puppet and the leather jacket. You know, I dressed like Hannibal, like grade my hair. It doesn't take much these days, but it's getting there. But, uh, had the cigar, you know, we walked up and shook their hands. We got the, our picture in front of the, the 18 van that was there. And it was just such a thrill to yuck it up just for, even if it was for a few minutes and have a uh, face man tell me, well, you're about as tall as George was because <laughs> they're all like super tall. They're like over six feet, you know, six, two, six, three. And, uh, George prepared had to put like, inserts in his shoes to make himself taller <laughs> so he could be the same height as those guys and they were yucking it up and it was fun you know you get that moment when you have a good moment when you meet your hero like that i've never had a chance to meet magic or some of the other heroes but uh to meet those guys was really fun and i know you're gonna like you said you're gonna tell a story at after hours that might be the opposite side of that but well, i'm gonna tell several uh, stories it was you know it was a it was a thrill to just kind of shake their hands and thank them for the, uh, the fun adventures that I reenacted in my backyard, you know? (laughs) So that's, uh, I, if that's fine with me, if you want to leave it at that, uh, we can talk about a few more in after hours if you want to get the pictures I sent through Slack yet. Oh yes. Now (laughs) I have, uh, my dad and my stepmom, were there and that justice of the peace where you're sitting at the desk. Yeah. My, I have a picture of my dad sitting there. So yeah, that that's in, that's in Mount Airy uh-huh. where Andy grew up. Yeah. That's a, that's a thrill, man. Real thrill. Yeah. I'll leave my picks at that. Uh, okay. I'm good with that. This was fun. This was fun. You know, memories episodes, like I'm always saying is, uh, is really fun just to kind of pick your brain and, see what comes up with. And this was a pr- pretty fun topic. Something we can go back and revisit too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got a couple more. I don't put too many people up on a pedestal. I've got a few more people in my personal life, but you know, without knowing them, you know, the listeners wouldn't carry a lot of weight with them. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. Well, let's leave it at that. We'll hop back in the time machine and we'll talk about after hours. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip through time discussing some of our heroes. Who was your hero? Tell us on Twitter this week at TRN Social 
or at RD80s and at Yesterdayville for our personal accounts. We'd love to hear who's your hero, even if it's, uh, you know, in your personal life or uh, maybe somebody on TV like we were talking about or sports heroes that just uh, inspired you, inspired you to uh, maybe do something that you would not uh, normally do or maybe inspired you to go on to a certain career field that you're in. Would love to hear that. If you're new to the show, please subscribe. Rate us over there on Apple Podcasts. And like I said, we keep about 10 shows in the feed. Uh, Our back catalog is exclusive to our VIPs over there on Patreon. We sure do appreciate them and would invite you to go over there and check it out. Patreon.com forward slash The Retro Network. And that's the place you can also hear the After Hours podcast where Nick and I go on a little bit farther each week. Uh, Where are we going to this week, Nick? Well, I dug up a few short stories of people being disappointed when they met their heroes. Okay. And not heroes, but I've got I've met more than my fair share of famous people in my day. And I got a few fun stories I was going to share. Okay. And if there's time, we may hit a little dumb crit news. If not, we'll save it for next week because I've come across some doozies. Okay. Okay. That sounds good. All right. Well, uh, like I said, join us over there on Patreon, become a VIP and get the After Hours podcast and our complete audio library. Uh, If you don't, we will see you right back here next week for another Time Machine. Jason here for Mickey. We will see you then. See you in time. Yeah, to hear Alex Trebek say, (laughs) just, uh, he's moving up my list. Hilarious. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.